This episode of It's That Episode is sponsored by Audible.com, the leading provider of audiobooks uh, and audio of all kinds. If you're a fan of It's That Episode, you can get a free audiobook and 30 days free if you go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. I'm just going to give you a recommendation. I briefly, so briefly mentioned this book that I'm currently reading, and I figured why not? Yeah, I can just... It's available on Audible. Why not tell the audience? I'm reading Furious Cool, Richard Pryor, and the World That Made Him. It's a new book about uh, Richard Pryor, Furious Cool. That's available on audible.com. You can get it for free on me or over 150,000 other books. Uh, They're ones about the Wild West since uh, uh, we're watching Deadwood this week. Uh, and, and there's one about Wild Bill Hickok, who, who's in that show, and I'm and I'm suggesting Furious School. Um, so if you are a fan, go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan, C-R-A-I-G-R-O-W-I-N, and uh, do that, or don't, whatever, it's your choice, it's your life. But you did choose to listen to this podcast, so um, why don't we do it? Well, it's that episode, not that episode, not that it's that episode it's that episode with craig rowan welcome to it's that episode the podcast where i craig rowan invite guests over my apartment we watch any tv show that they choose we watch it we talk about we talk a bunch of other bull crap uh today my guest i'm excited is in my apartment he created the hand show which you can check out online He's also written for The Onion and was in one of my favorite sketch groups ever, uh, but I forget their name. No, Pangea 3000, uh, Zach Poitras. Hello. Hi. Hello, Craig. Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Also, we once, re- I just remembered before I was going to introduce you that we once did um, Bud Light ads for uh, Comedy Central. We did, yeah. Remember that? Absolutely. I've been back to beer camp since you've Oh, that was right. It was beer camp. Yeah, that Bud was, Light beer camp. Wait, you went back to beer camp? They took me back. The next year, they had me back to beer camp. So they didn't have me back. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. This is, this is news to me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't want to bring that crushing. Was anybody else back from beer camp? Uh, Yeah, they brought one other guy back from beer camp. He and I ended up doing beer camp twice more. Yeah. What? And there were only three guys. I was the only one not asked back to beer camp. <laughs> I was so bad at beer camp. I don't know. I, I thought you were great these, at beer camp. It was, it was an ad that we went to like some some like camp in... Upstate New York? Upstate New York and yeah. like shot some beer commercials for like Thanksgiving weekend or something like that. Yeah. Actually, I think it was in May. It was for the summer, right? No, I don't remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I did something else for the fall once. Did you? <laughs> well, there you go. They didn't ask me for, to, for Thanksgiving at Bud Light. Oh, yeah. I was the director of beer camp. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I would have been so jealous right there. <laughs> um, so welcome. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait. Um, we're going to watch a TV show that you chose. Yes. Why don't you uh, tell me what TV show you just had? Okay, I chose uh, Deadwood, um, season three, episode five. Um, Deadwood is an HBO show that was around around like 2004 or something like yeah. that. Went three seasons and then they gave it the axe. But I think it's it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I love the show so much. And the episode I I chose, I don't I don't think I'm giving anything away. Can I just give you the the one reason that I chose this episode. Sure. It has my favorite fight scene in all of television. Wow. Yeah. 
That's a good reason to pick mm-hmm. to pick it. That's the only reason I chose this episode. I mean, I wanted to do Deadwood the show, but I was like, "What episode?" And I was like, "Oh man, this." I think about this fight scene all the time. Wow! I, so I've seen, I think, a season and a half or so of Deadwood, but I mm-hmm. just, uh, I don't know why I didn't. Like, I love it. Like, mm-hmm. I loved it, but I just, I don't know why I didn't end up finishing. You know, some shows you like just oh, sort of leave, like for some reason. Yeah, life happens. And life, then... ha- like life, is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Exactly, John Lennon. John Lennon. Um, John Lennon would have loved Deadwood. He, dude. <laughs> really, right? I think he would have loved this. He would have fucking loved it. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of like the way people talk, it sounds like a bizarre John Lennon lyric when you're when you're listening to their language. Pretty much, Deadwood could be the name of a John Lennon song. Absolutely. Um, but it's a great show. Norwegian uh, Deadwood. It takes it takes place in uh, the Wild West, mm-hmm. so, and this is Deadwood is a real town. Yeah. That was a pioneer town mm-hmm. in like North Dakota, but it wasn't North Dakota yet. That's part of the reason. That's a lot of the show is exactly. sort of the, it's a territory and mm-hmm. it's sort of lawless. Exactly. The and show is about uh, it's about the, like the forming of a civilization. So it's about a town becoming a town, essentially. In fact, I read that David Milch, the creator, said that it was the whole show is yeah about creating civilization and it's about creating order from chaos. Yeah, that's that he, is a much more beautiful way of putting it. And it's uh and it really is like it's a really good show. It's really well written. The characters are amazing. Yes. Um and it was also uh, like before I even knew about the show I knew that cursing was like a big part of it. Yeah. That was like the big I think takeaway for when you critics first started talking about it or something that was like the buzz was about how many curses or something yeah absolutely it was like swear engine he's Al. a swear engine Al swear engine <laughs> whoa yeah i think that was just like a live um like uh Poetry slam. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. I think I even like cocked my head in like a poetry you, way. You moved your neck in this way that I really and you had your hand up. It was you, very bird like and yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were definitely um what's it called? Peacocking. Yep, I was peacocking there. Uh hopefully there'll be some more peacock interrupt. I mean, I feel like we should I wish we could speak as poetically as they could, they do on the show, like as an ode to it, but we can't. I don't know. Maybe we should just swear a bunch or something. Yeah, we should just say, well, let's each, why don't we each curse now? Okay. And um, you say a curse word now. Any curse word. Any curse word. But let's try to make it not the first curse word that you think of. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Wait, I don't know if I have one yet. I mean, I don't know if it's a curse word, but... I'm, like, combining curse words just to make something like Okay, you do it. All right, cock shitter. Ooh, that's good. Okay. Um, shit dicker. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I just copied you. You just flipped and changed <laughs> cock to dick. That's good, though. I mean, I, it it's was, good. I didn't have anything going in. I guess in my head, I just think it'd be funny to call somebody one who shits out cocks. Cock shitter? That is good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. A shit dicker, though, is somebody who takes his shit on dicks? Wait. No. A di- wait, what? A, a shit dicker. <laughs> it's somebody who dicks <laughs> dick shit. shits. Somebody who, <laughs> it's somebody who puts their dick puts their in chicken shits. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that might be a better... Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is more Better evocative? Which is, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you should take pretty good. They're both really good. Yeah. Um, so they both I, would hang out. 
Oh, they totally hang out. Oh, yeah. Those would be friend. Uh, dick Shitter would be a shit dicker would be a friend with Cock Shitter and his shit dicker. That's a good name for a comic. Yeah. All right. So that's our next project. All right. Got it. Um, one thing I read about the swearing in the show, the swear engine, mm-hmm. is that um, it's an- uh, anachronistic to the time, the cursing. Mm-hmm. But and this is according to my favorite website, Wikipedia. Excellent. It's uh, done purposefully that it was anachronistic because in these days, in the 1800s, like in this type of town, in this particular, they would curse a lot. But the way that they would curse would be more blasphemous, you know, like uh, how oh, like cursing you. It would be like it would be like God, 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 slarnit, you know, like God, sarnit, sure, that, like God, God damn thee type thing, that type of thing, but. If they had did, if they had used that, it would have felt so corny and weird watching these dark characters kill each other and saying like, "You go- god damn it, you you nincompoop or whatever." Sure. So they decided to make it re- words that are uh, more shocking now to make it have the same impact as the words. So are you saying? I mean, I guess it's got to be true, and I just haven't even thought about it like this. But like nin- nincompoop, right? Could have had like the gravitas of motherfucker. Like, but like 150 years ago. I mean, yeah, probably. But it's just been watered yeah. down so much that we don't really care. Yeah, about exactly. I mean, think about like you hear the word like "goddamn." Like you would hear that. Yeah. You know, if if you heard that along your day, that wouldn't be surprising to you. But mm-hmm. imagine when re- religion, w- you know, like was so big that it was like when it was big and like important and it was like a bedrock of the society. Uh, it still is. God is part of our lives. God is. God is big and God is good. Everyone's lives. God is good. Uh, but. At then, I, absolutely, at yeah. that time, it was like holy shit. It was like <laughs> was so it was like it was like holy nincompoop or whatever. Shoot, yeah, holy shoot! I bet the first person who said holy shit, the fact that they said that shit was holy, right, must have been so. They really draw. They, I bet everyone was shocked. <gasps> John's wrong. How could something be holy? What that- you just said something as low as vile shit is holy. Oh my God! You must really mean whatever. <laughs> and they'd say, and really when they upset. said, "Oh my God!" They were directly talking to God. Yeah. they're going, "Oh my God. God!" Did you hear him? You I am hear respectfully, yeah, talking to God. That I never even thought about that. Yeah, holy shit is such a wonderful phrase too. Holy shit! But is we good. we forget about the fact that someone first had to like think about putting the word holy in front of it, which is really fun. But no, it's great too about that. Holy crap works as well. Holy crap is great. It's a different word, but same meaning. Yeah. That's pretty good. You yep. know what I mean? Like, the, the, that's the PG version. It still works. It's pretty wonderful how, I mean, like, holy, putting holy in front of almost any word makes it funnier and just kind of better. And, like, <laughs> you, like, it's, I don't know what it is about the word holy, but when you're like, holy Toledo. Like, you right. can, it's just a city name, but yeah. saying that stuff is so much fun. I recently, where was I reading this? Oh, I was reading. I'm reading a book about Richard Pryor, uh-huh. and he was from Peoria, Illinois. Yeah, and you know that term like "will it play in Peoria"? You know, like oh, if yeah. you hear like in a movie, like a music executive be like, "But will it play in Peoria?" Yeah, that's they're talking about like all like the middle of America, the Midwest, right? right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Peoria, why Peoria? It's just like this. It was just this like that's the town. That's the town that it was, and Richard Pryor's from there. Do you I'm, think it was because Richard Pryor was there? So he's no, like, no, 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 no. It was before oh. that. It's because I don't know. Vaudeville went there. Like it was just one of those towns. It was, it was a like, town where you go to do shows. Yeah, and I, they represented 
all of America to those people. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to bring that tidbit that I had read in another context into this to show that I'm smart. I like it. So it's funny that Peoria came from Holy Toledo. Yeah, because you said Holy Toledo. So Holy, but no one's ever said Holy Peoria. No, yeah, nobody said that. I Holy don't know Toledo why. works. Holy Toledo. Do you think Toledo that there's that that's like a big part of their town? I bet they have bumper stickers that say Holy. Toledo. Absolutely, that's definitely a bumper sticker thing. I wonder. I bet they say it more in Toledo than they do. In, uh, I bet they say Holy Toledo more in Toledo than they do in the rest of America. I'd say that, and I'd say that people in Peoria rarely say, will it play in Peoria? That's true. They'll just say, will it play here? Will it play? Yeah. <laughs> but will it play here? <laughs> but will it play here um, so, in Peoria? <laughs> so, we're gonna, uh, so Deadwood is the show. Uh, did you watch this when this was on? I did not. I caught this show when I first moved to New York. Um when what I first was that when I first moved to New York in 2009, I was living with uh, two of my best kid friends, Dan Klein and Arthur Meyer, and um, in an apartment that is like basically above a like a car, like a yes, it was. Uh, that's where we moved to. We moved to uh, live above a, uh, a car, an auto shop, an auto shop. That's but what the uh, but we first um, lived over in in Park Slope in this railroad apartment where I lived behind a curtain and Dan lived in the big room and I lived in this tiny little off offshoot. Uh, and and the guy who I replaced was a Craigslist roommate who Dan and Arthur could not stand. I mean, the guy like <laughs> the guy brought a prostitute to the apartment. What the guy did cocaine. He was an awful. He was like an awful guy, and he uh, he just stayed home and played video games all day. I think he worked. He was like thirty years old and worked for. Not that there's anything wrong with it, working for your mom and like, but he was just he was just like filing stuff at his mom's office when he's like thirty years old and getting prostitutes and doing cocaine and playing video games. He sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's pretty. I've never some big shoes to, to fill about that. Yeah, yeah. So did you ever bring a prostitute up just to like? I mean, I was like, I don't know. It had to be a, a better hooker. It had to be better. All you know, I just you ended up spending a lot of money. It was really expensive to try and you know live up to the expectations. But this guy left. He had tons of DVDs, and he left season one of Deadwood. Whoa! Still in the plastic. In the apartment, and he left still owing Dan and Arthur money, so they were like, oh, yeah, go ahead, watch it. Like, this guy's gone. He's never coming back. That's hilarious that them internalizing, like, getting, like, robbed of money was like, yeah, you can watch Dead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, enjoy Dead with Season 1. Open that case. Well, you can open that plastic. He owes us, like, $500. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I was like, I had just moved to New York. Dan and Arthur had been there for a couple of years. They were off like work and having friends, that kind of thing. And I was just, you know, it takes a few months to kind of get your, get your sitch yeah. going. So I just watched Deadwood. I just banged through season one. And I loved it. So, so you're oh, forever. When you think of Deadwood, you think of your first, your, your salad days in uh, New York city. Absolutely. I wow. totally, I think about that all. That's probably another reason I love the show is cause you know, it was there back when I was just sleeping behind a curtain, just like, you were literally sleeping behind a curtain. Oh, yeah. Well, in your next apartment, Arthur was living like in a closet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I went from curtain to closet. So, for those listening, Dan, Arthur, and Zach were members of a sketch group mm-hmm. together. Pangea three thousand. Pangea three thousand. That I was a fan of. Yes. This is, feels like more of a biographical episode of this podcast. And I like it. It's true. I'm. Yeah. Wow. I. I 
totally forgot about the history I have with Deadwood. Um, but that's the human factor. Exactly. And we'll make it better for all of us. Um, so, and, uh, and did they watch it with you or did you watch it by yourself? Was this one of those shows that you sort of, cause I've had shows like that where I just watch by myself and, and then eventually I'll find other people to talk about it. But at the time I'm just, in it yeah, it was just me. It was me. I just watched it all by myself. And then I, uh, and then I tracked down the other two seasons and watched that. Um, I think I just watched them online somewhere, but the, uh, did but- you pirate them? I may have the. I might have. Probably did. I was back in my pirating days. The salad days and the pirating days are pretty much same thing. Same thing. The but then Dan Dan watched it like a couple months after I had watched it, so I didn't have to wait too long to be able to talk to him about it. That's good. It's good to have a friend in yeah. in the trenches with you. It was really nice. Um, so I, I'm excited to see this because this is like further along in the series than I've seen. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. I'm sort of interested to see it. I don't, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I feel like this will get me back into the show to go back through the the rest of the uh, se- series. I hope so. Yeah, it's a great. Show. Um, anything else I should lo- look out for, or other people, or you're excited to see besides for the fight? You know, I haven't watched this episode in a long time, so I'm re- I'm really excited to to just see to just get back into the Deadwood world and. I'm sure there's going to be some storylines that I don't even remember all the way and that kind of thing, but I'm I'm just I think I'll I'll pick it up all pretty. And when did you last watch this episode? This episode probably about a year ago. All right, it's the one year anniversary of you watching it. So we're going to celebrate (laughs) by saying "Holy shit, holy shit, holy Toledo, holy Peoria, holy cock shitter, holy shit dicker." It's time to watch Deadwood. Doc's back, man. Don't need the fucking doc. Come on, Dan. Let him look at you. He come back special. You heard what the fuck I said. He wants to poke around in some energy. Tell him to work on the one I killed. Bottle. One of the girls. There's clamoring line to see to you. Get the fuck out of here, Johnny. Sure. All right, we just watched uh, Deadwood. The episode was called A Two-Headed Beast. Um, and uh, we should say before we get fully started that we were both drinking yerba mate tea. We were, and we both realized while we were drinking it that we need to help spread the word about yerba mate tea. It's a wonderful tea. It really is great. It gives you a nice little kick without the buzz of coffee. Yeah. it's We both like it more than green tea. It's, ah, oh, man, if you're not drinking yerba mate, I don't know what you're doing. It's just a good tea, and I don't know when I first had it. I feel like maybe in college uh-huh. it might have been when I, but then I I, didn't, I don't know if it, I didn't realize that it was around more than it, I thought it was. Yep. But just recently I got back on the train, it's and I, I bought, what I did was I bought, um, like some of it loose, and I made us both tea, and we enjoyed it. It was really good. I uh, I feel great. The first time I had yerba mate tea, it was actually handed to me when I was a dog walker as a free sampler, a can of yerba mate Whoa. tea, and I and I like chugged it uh, because I didn't have much time before I had to pick up the next dog, and I felt so good. I feel good right now. That afternoon, I felt <laughs> great. I was like, this is incredible, and yeah, so. 
You must have encountered a lot of interesting things as dog walker because I know that I was part of. Yeah, absolutely. When I was dog walking once, I ran into Craig randomly and then then filmed a short, very odd sketch with with him. (laughs) Yeah, it was really weird. I was working on a, I don't know what you could call it. Uh, an attempt at a TV show <laughs> an by an, by an entrepreneur who a young entrepreneur uh-huh. with me it was me and Michael Delaney and we stumbled on you and you were walking a dog and we're like uh, let's do something with Zach because we knew he was funny and that you'd know what to do yep and it was just like an improvised interview with you I remember what it was it was acting as if dog walking was a class at NYU. Oh yeah, you were a student at I NYU. Was a and student at NYU, and I was taking dog walking as a class. Or right? Yeah, and I don't think the host understood what was going on. No, you know, I don't. I don't think he did either. But that was great. That was definitely like that best. The best part of that day. Yeah, you were uh, always looking for one bizarre thing to happen, like a yerba mate tea, for instance. Exactly. Or that changed my life. Then. Any other dog walking experiences before we get to Deadwood? I will say this: there was a. Uh, the this dog walking there was a wall that had a, a brick wall that had all these holes in it um it was part of the pattern of the brick wall it wasn't like a shitty brick wall but i walked this very old dog and she could not get to either end of the block where there were trash cans right and she would just you'd just walk around she'd do her one and two uh and then you'd you know pp and duty exactly you collect it and i she was very strong. She was very, like, I couldn't get her to walk to a garbage can. <laughs> so what I would do was I would store her, I would bag her her duty, right. and I would put it in a hole in the brick wall. Uh-huh. And I was, I did it going like, all right, as soon as I bring her back up, go downstairs, I'm going to grab the bag, throw it out. Um, Wait, and- she wouldn't, so she, when you'd walk the dog, it wouldn't, you'd never get past the front of the, like the. For, uh, like, not for a few months there. Wow. Like, she was a really old dog, and oh, it was gosh. okay. It was kind of like, I spent a lot of time with her, like, inside the house mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. like, hanging out with her. Um, but she was really good about, as soon as you take her out, she would cross the street, do her thing, and want to go right back inside. And, like, you know, so it's like, all right. So I would, I started putting the bags in this brick wall, uh, and I would go. The first few days, I was really good about about grabbing the bag and, and and like throwing it away. But then I slowly just started forgetting to do that. <laughs> and they just started. And I started remembering like, okay, all right, you got two bags of shit in a wall. You got to go. You got to go pick those up. All right. No problem. All right. Next time, Zach, there's five bags of shit in a brick wall. You need to get those. You can't just leave shit in a wall. And it's, they just started like, they just the number just started getting really out of hand. <laughs> it's like with your Gmail inbox when you have like a lot of new mails and yeah. you can't get it down to but zero. But these were bags of shit, but in a, bags of in a shit. wall in New York City, and I uh, and it started to like I started thinking about it all the time. It became uh, it became like my cross to bear as Whoa. I lived my life. I started having these awful. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this wall of shit that I am like building and I'm not fixing. And uh, even after I stopped dog walking, I I would like go by that wall, and there's no more shit in that wall. Whoa! I I cleared it all out. Wait, you? So you? Nobody else did it. You were the one who did it. I was the one. Wow! So after you were done with the job, you'd return to the place. Yeah, I'd the walk wall by with it, dog shit, and I would go reach in, and if there was. And a- how visible was this to the street people on the street? Would anybody know? 
if you looked in the holes, you would know. But you, you just walking by, it was like black doggy bags in a black hole, and you wouldn't. So you wouldn't see it unless you looked for it. Wow! But there was how many would you estimate was at the highest that it got? How many bags of, of dog shit were in this wall? This is really embarrassing, but I'd say about twenty five. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That's a tons a ton of I bags. mean at a certain point I just started going like, Well, that's my wall. <laughs> and like just that's really it funny. In, but, but you did the right thing. I did. I cleared it out. It took me like a year. Really over the course of that long? Because I would just walk by and grab a couple bags and throw it out. And I would also wait until the coast was clear. I don't know. You didn't want to look like a weirdo, like grabbing bags of shit and people <laughs> yeah. be like, What's in your hand? He'd be like Bags of dog shit. Bag of dog shit. Like, there's no dog near you. It was just a. I left it in there. (laughs) That's really funny. Stored the bag. Um, So let me try to do a very impressive transition into dog Deadwood from that. Let's see if I can do it. Okay. You left bags of duty in a wall. Yes. And in this episode of Deadwood. You, that was your cross to bear. Yes. In this one, a lot of characters had their own metaphorical bags of shit in a wall. Absolutely. And they had to grab them out in their own way over the course of that episode. I feel like this episode was a lot of people dealing with their bags of shit. Yeah. You know? I, I think, think so. I think it was. Like, it was this episode we saw, uh, I mean, we saw, like, a lot of people, I think, learned. Uh, there was just a lot of revel- tiny revelations throughout this episode. Yep. This was, by the way, this is a great episode of TV. I haven't watched this season of Deadwood, and this really makes me want to go back into it and finish it because it's so good, so layered. It took me a few minutes, and I think for you too, we talked Absolutely. about this while I was making Yerba Mate, yep. that um, because the language of the show is different and because the tone of it is, you know, it's slower. It's like if you haven't watched the show in a while, you sort of need to ease yourself back into it because it's definitely, yep. you have to pay attention, you have to catch the little things. Absolutely. And uh, But it is such a good show, great characters, and this was like a... I just say a really good episode of of the show and of TV. Yes, absolutely. I think one one thing that's great about this episode too is like the big climactic fight that I was talking yeah. about. A lot of TV shows I think would end their their episode yeah. with that fight, but we got to see how everyone dealt with it after this fight. The fight was sort of in the mid midpoint or mid yeah. to first half. Yeah, and uh, so let's give a little bit of a summary. There a lot happened in this episode. I yeah. feel like it's okay if we don't get to everything because there's sure. a lot to unwrap. There's like thirty stories going on, and we want to be we want to make sure to get back to those bags of dog shit before the exactly. end. We've got to talk about the. We bags need more time shit. for yerba mate and dog shit. So. Yeah. We're going to drop a couple storylines. <laughs> so basically, the fight emanates from... So if somebody hasn't watched the show, what should they know about the town? They should know that there's a saloon run by a guy named Al Swearingen. Yes. Uh, that you uh, already mentioned, because he's a swear engine. That's right. Uh, um, and he sort of is the behind-the-scenes, sort of runs the town. Like, he's the seedy side, but he's sort of... Uh, He's one of the biggest figures in the show. Absolutely. He like he runs the town. He's definitely behind all of the political uh you know, all of the political underlying uh stories that are going on. He's trying to 
He's he's also looking out for everyone else who started the town with him. I think. Yeah, he has. He's one of the first members of the town, and he, and the town is getting bigger. And he wants to keep the like it with. He wants to make sure that the people that were there first are sort of represented. And, Absolutely, and not overtaken. Yeah, and the big storyline going on in season three is there's this uh, there's this really rich man named uh, Hurst who comes in, and he's buying all of the uh, the mining. Uh, properties it's not related to william randolph hearst is it i don't it's not the same guy but it is a real obviously but maybe they're somewhat related and i won't look it up to do any research about i bet they're related i mean hearst the only way you can start a newspaper i feel like is if you're rich so yeah i feel like let's just say we're gonna make the decision if it's wrong or not we don't care that's related to William Randolph. Yeah, we're going to say cousins. They're cousins. They're yeah. they're like second or third cousins. <laughs> they're second or third cousins. Not by blood. No. Through marriage. But they're both they're, they're both men and their last names are Hearst. Yeah. Uh so Hearst comes in and right now he's uh there like he's not a good guy. He's he's trying to run the mining uh I I think he's like not paying people a lot of money, overworking them, that kind of thing. And what he's doing is anyone who's going against him, he's he's killing. Um, and slowly, we saw in this episode there was a murder, and and Swearingen knows that this guy's killing people to get his way. He's killing people to get his way, and he's getting in. He's taking some of the power away from Swearingen. Exactly. Swearingen runs the brothel. He runs the bar, and he's mm-hmm. sort of the p- political figure. Mm-hmm. And then Bullock. What's Bullock's for, uh, first name again? Seth. Seth. That's such a. That doesn't feel like it fits. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, he's uh, the sheriff, and in the first season, he co- enters the town and he becomes the sheriff. And uh, at this point, I assume he's still a sheriff, and he's sort of the moral compass of the town. I'd say, like, even though, but he, he I think he wavers, but overall, yeah. he tries to do what's right. He does try to do what's right. He definitely makes mistakes. Because he has like a he's a stubborn hothead. He is definitely a stubborn hothead, but he 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 usually looks after the right for the right cause. Yes, I'd say so. Um, and uh, he in this episode, he, he's the main character of the series, I'd say. But he was sort of in the side of this episode. Yes, and the fight was between one of uh, Al Swearingen's sort of henchmen, right hand man named Dan. Yep, and one of Hurst. Dan Doherty. Dan Doherty and one of uh, and one of Hearst's right hand men, yeah, Captain Effort. Turner, Captain Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yes, exactly. Um, and they, I forget what precipitates the fight because I don't think it fully happened in this episode. Well, it was pretty much that uh, Swearingen had been like he had his finger chopped off by Hearst and uh, and Captain Turner. And Captain Bachman Turner, overdrive. yeah, Captain Bachman Turner Overdrive. They, so they had already like, but they had already made some moves against Swearingen that really like Dan is a loyal dog, and he was there, right. uh, and he was there to like help. He's really mad. He wants to defend Swearingen's yeah. reputation, and he like he loves Swearingen. And they were insulting each other across the street. Um, like they were having men go and like, oh, he just said this about you, and then that guy would go right. back and be like, oh, he said this. So we all knew like they all they wanted to do was fight each other. 
And then uh, Al Swearingen sort of gives Dan Doherty the go-ahead to fight because he was like, is this coming from Hearst? What's the angle here? He couldn't mm. figure it out. He talked to a dead Indian head. That's right. Um, which is, I don't know, he an Indian head from the first season, and he it's I guess he thinks it has mystical powers or some sort. I, it's well, One of the great things about Deadwood is they need just the tiniest symbol to give uh, characters the ability to monologue about something. Yeah, yeah. All you need is like, uh, there's a box, there's a head in it. So let's just if we want this guy to talk to himself for a while. Like, let's just say he's talking to a head in a box. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, and the fight was amazing. The fight was a knockdown, drag out fight in the middle of an yeah. old west town with like water, you know, horses like going around them, mud and like yeah and they were they knocked into just were those elk yeah it's like legs? venison yeah like just like big pieces of meat and most 90% of the fight was they were on the ground yeah just two big burly men just like slapping each other's ribs and stuff and uh and i was saying to you and you hadn't seen it but it was reminiscent in length and just how they're going all out to the movie they live which uh Rowdy roddy piper uh is in a fight in that film and it's oh, i didn't del- know that delightful <laughs> um but in this one it's really it gets really dirty i don't want to ruin it cuz I, I feel like if so, I, we're going to ruin it in a second by saying how the fight ends because sure. we have to I but guess you i'm going this is to give you the chance to something amazing happens at the end mm-hmm. and i'm going to say it now that he, that dan doherty at, he's losing and he pops out the other guy's eyeball captain yeah. Bachman turner overdrives eyeball oh man dan doherty's getting his head bashed against a rock and you can see his eyes that man is that such a cool move you see his eyes kind of like he can't focus anymore right and he just barely gets his hand up to captain turner's face and he gets like two fingers around his eyeball and then he pops the guy's eyeball out and the guy's just like ah, ah, like just squealing oh man and just to see two like one of the things i love about that fight is we were talking about was just like how how tired they get yes, how like yeah how exhausted they both clearly are like knowing that they're fighting to the death where they took out like the fight begins with them taking off their weapons from across the street dropping them and then a horse carriage goes by and that's like the signal to start the fight that's like the flag just to go and they run at each other and yeah all it is is wrestling on the ground until one of them dies And 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 in my head i was like like obviously grabbing somebody's eyeball out is a dirty move or whatever, but it, that's how he had to kill. He had to kill him. It was like yeah. kill or be killed. And but then it was brutal because also Al Swearingen, uh, who the, he, who Dan Doherty is representing, and Hearst, who Captain Bachman Turner Overdrive is representing, they're watching from their balconies, mm-hmm. and like they l- sort of glare at those guys. Like after Dan Doherty gets. Uh, Bachman Turner on the ground with his eye off, he like sort of looks at Hearst and then he beats the guy to death with a log. Both of them gave both actors did a really great job of and I'm talking about the higher up Swearingen and Hearst, Major Dad. Uh, oh yeah, he plays Major Dad. Yeah, Major Hearst. Dad That's just is a reference Hearst. point. Major, yeah. For spoiler alert, Major Dad ends up being Hearst. <laughs> that comes out at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh after the fight, he's like, That's it, I'm Major Dad. Um <laughs> the they both do a great job of clearly saying you can kill the man without di- like doing a big. They nod. don't even. They don't. There's no indication except for you know these characters. Yeah, you know what they're, I mean? they're just like they look. There's just the intent glare, and you're like, oh yeah, I can. I've got permission. Um, 
Oh man, it's so good. And when they're one thing I think about when they're fighting is my bro- I have a brother and he's one year older than me. I have a brother who's four years older. And when we would wrestle, I we would wrestle until we were too tired to wrestle. So I mean, we wouldn't kill each other, but we would like we would we would just fight. And I I love seeing in movies. It looks like in action movies, most people can fight a hundred men forever, forever. Right? There's no. I mean, they'll like kind of act tired at the end when a, a lady comes in, you know. Yeah, when like, a woman comes in, they're like, oh, "I just fought. It was so hard. I fought for you." Yeah, uh, but when it's just like two guys wrestling, it's so tiring. Yeah, fighting another man is so tiring, and I'm so happy that this show. Like, they clearly were tired, still fighting, and like knowing that, and like they're both big older guys. Yeah, they're not like like when I because I hadn't seen the character that Dan Doherty had fought. Dan Doherty had been in the show from the beginning, and the other guy was big, but I thought he looked old. But you're like, he's proven himself as a badass throughout this season. So yeah. like, they don't look like they're the, you know. Like what we think of now as like fighters, but they're yep. badass. Oh man, knock down, drag out. Exactly. And <laughs> another thing is, so my brother was much stronger than me. He had a good like forty pounds on me. Okay, is and he as tall as you? Because you're a tall. He was as water. tall as me, but I was just skinny, super right. skinny. And he played football, all that kind of thing. So my brother and I fought up until, I mean, if we could fight now, we would. And uh, wait, you'd fight until what age? We, I think, years? I think the last time he and I physically wrestled, uh, I was 22. Wow. So that, and that means, so there's no punches. It's, it's wrestling, grappling. It's wrestling. We have punched each other before. In um, the middle of a fight or? Yeah. Whoa. But the thing is, my brother was so much stronger than me. I like, I mean, it got more fair as the years went on, but my brother, like in high school, my brother was so much stronger than me that I went to dirty tricks. I would Whoa. go for the eyes. You you'd go for his eyes. <laughs> I wasn't trying to gouge his eyes out, but I would like try and poke him in the eye to get Whoa. him off me. That's it, like that's real deal fighting. I mean, you I guys mean, you guys were fighting. My brother did that thing where you know you put the knees on your chest and you know when you spit and you're about to spit on the person. My, my brother <laughs> did that to me. My brother did that to me and once spit in my mouth. <laughs> oh, a, a loogie God. in my mouth. That's the thing is my brother. He would always like try to do it and then when you suck it back yeah, up, he'd suck it back he up. never once could suck it back up. <laughs> he, it was always just him spitting on my face. He never spit in my that's mouth. That's the worst. My but brother wants spit in my mouth. That sucks. <laughs> it was it always just. Ended up being my brother pinning me down and spitting on my face was how our fights would go. See, I would usually – we would fight like sometimes, but I'd always be like, mom, you know, and like stop it because I just didn't want to get spit in my mouth. Yeah. I mean at a certain point, I like – my mom just wouldn't answer my calls anymore. <laughs> Jeez. So wait, when you were 22 fighting, was it like, oh, we're going to wrestle or did something, did something start it? I think my brother was like – Itching to wrestle, so he he was provoking you. I think he just kind of came up and started wrestling. <laughs> That's crazy. I think he came from behind or something. And what like type that. of room are you in that can accommodate a wrestle? Oh, I think we were like in the living room. Wow, it I'm was. Im- I'm impressed. I was. It was really surprising. I was like, are we really about to do this? But it was also surprising how willing I was. You, as soon as he made the first move, I was like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, because it takes two to wrestle, as they say. Exactly. You have to uh, – you are part of it. Yeah. Um, now, let's let's segue that. Let's do a really good segue about wrestling into back to the show. Excellent. Um, you wrestled your brother. I wrestled my brother physically. Right. While um, 
let's go to Alma Garrett. Yes, was wrestling with her live her her situation that she's currently in. Yes, so let's unwrap that emotionally, psychologically. So Alma, right now, let's give a back. I'll give the background from the first season, and then you give what, where she's at now. In the yeah, first yeah. season, she moves to Deadwood with her husband. Yep. Her husband is uh, taken advantage of by Al Swearengen. They're mm-hmm. sold. Uh, a, a pr- land and which is supposed to have gold on it but then it turns out that Swearingen's bullshit there's no gold so they so the Garrett's get Wild Bill Hickok to help support their claim that Swearingen was fucking them over and uh when they go out when Dan Doherty brings out Alma Garrett's husband and kills him yeah and then it's, oh, no, when, it's and, when he kills him that oh, that Bill Hickok is involved, right? Or no. It's when he kills him that they discover that there's tons there of is gold. gold. There is gold. Yeah. It's like he throws the body and then he turns it around and there's a giant gold strip in the rock. And he's like, oh. Yeah. So so at that point, then uh, while Bill Hickok and Seth Bullock are representing Alma Garrett sort of against Swearingen. And that's sort of one of the big things in the first season. Mm-hmm. So, but But she's also... In the first season, a wife, just sort of the wife who's uh, drugged. She like drugs her. She's a drug addict. Yeah, she's addicted to laudanum in the first season, which the, I assume is like an opiate. Or I think so. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. I uh, and she has love trysts with Bullock. Yes, after she, uh, it takes her a while when she realizes that she's a widower and that she's rich now. That there's tons of gold. She employs, um. She employs uh, Bullock and Wild Bill Hickok and then uh, Ellingsworth to um, to help her. And she gets off the laudanum. She does a great job doing that. Uh, <laughs> she does a really good job getting off She gets laudanum. totally off it. Um, and then she starts having sex with Bullock. She gets pregnant. And then because she gets pregnant... Um, Bullock's wife all of a sudden appears because she gets pregnant. <laughs> because she gets pregnant, she's like, "Oh, that's a my, side effect of the pregnancy." My, my signals are going off. Uh, Bullock's wife appears. Um, the only reason that he got married in the first place was because his brother was married to this woman, and then his brother died, so he did a good thing. And so he didn't like woman. me. He wasn't his really his wife. Like it was yeah. his wife out of moral obligation. Exactly. So. Um, so now this woman is pregnant and she doesn't have really a man. Uh, we're talking about Alma Garrett. And so Alma Garrett, uh, she marries this nice man, Ellensworth, um, and she doesn't want to marry him. She's not in love with him, but it's, it's just a nice thing he does for her so that society won't treat her. Treat her like shit, like a whore. Exactly. She would be treated like it. So in this episode, she's living with this dude. Ellingsworth and he's taking a bath and she I think she's she's back on laudanum yeah she's because back. she doesn't want to be living she, with this guy she's running a bank now yep because she's rich yep and uh she like goes to the door and is like how's the water mm-hmm. and she's like if uh, is the water too hot uh, is it hot enough and he goes it should be even colder like yeah, he's like I'm on the fridge too hot yeah. it's too hot like he's it's awkward that she's talking to him while he's in the bath and then she's like it's, she's never talked to him from across a closed door like and which is really sexy yeah and he then she goes like can I come in and wash your back and he immediately jumps up and gets out yep I feel bad for her character. I feel like the women, the women in the show, it shows a lot of um, 
sort of before women's suffrage, before women were equal mm-hmm. uh, in the eyes of the law and yeah. the land. And uh, most of the women are prostitutes that you see on the show. Yeah. All the women have to put up with a ton of crap. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, that's another reason why the show is so good is like it just shows this world in such a deep way. You know what I mean? Like it shows those the their condition really well, I think. When uh, – so Bullock's wife in this show is uh – is it Anna or Anna? Anna Gunn, who is the wife oh, right. in Breaking Bad. Oh wow! And it sucks. She her she never has a good marriage as like a character as an actress. I hope she'll get there. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty rough. She's married to a man she doesn't love. Maybe if if we write a show for her called The Happily Married Woman. Yeah, <laughs> and we cast her in it. It's almost like if she keeps going at it, that will be what a TV land show will be for her. Dude, TV land is so – it's totally becoming the resting home yes. for – like because Kirsty, like for instance, is yeah. happening right now. The Kirsty Alley show uh-huh. with her, Rhea Perlman, yep. Michael Richards, and then like one young guy. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I've read a review and like – it's like putting them out to pasture, you know. What That's I mean? like, what all those shows. I mean, yeah, there's that show with uh, Daphne from Frasier and uh, ah man, um, oh yeah, Betty hot White, in, hot in Cleveland. I feel like I may have talked about this in another episode, but it is sort of beautiful in a way that, like, at it's, least you have that. It's like, kind of nice your, that's that your that final spot. Yeah, it's like where sitcom actors like go to die, and the it's the thing is though, I know a lot of mothers and people who really enjoy those shows because the familiarity of yeah it's familiar it just feels it feels good to them it's like a warm bowl of soup but uh yeah but it's not the same product as that first bowl of soup that you had as a child nope but it it, you get a little bit of that taste it's like it's not quite as it's not quite as good as like a great cup of yerba mate might not be as warm might not be as good um one thing that I liked also, or what I was in, interested in, uh, was going back to Dan Doherty fighting after the fight. Before the fight, he's greasing himself up. He's literally putting grease on his body to like yeah. <clears throat> give him an advantage yeah. of some belly sort. jelly. It's just all over him. Belly jelly, and uh, after the fight, all we see of him is him in a room, sort of cr- like crying, right? Like yeah, or he's, he's sitting naked in a room crying. Which I thought was super intriguing. I like. I want to see what happens with his character. Mm-hmm. Why is he crying? I mean, he almost died. He did it for somebody else, right. right? Yeah. He. I mean, he personally. He's so tied to Al that like whatever someone does to offend Al is offending him, and and when when he kill uh, that's one great thing that like al al says later in the episode where another guy who works in the tavern he's wondering why dan is so down he's like you've killed people before and al said he's like when you have a fair fight with someone and you see the light go out of their eyes it really it it affects you more because you know he's like we've been trying to avoid fair fights our whole lives all we want to do is like come from behind and right. stab people which in the back. they do a million times over absolutely most deaths in that show are just like someone sits down and they're like, have a drink. And then they just like slit his throat. But this, this was like a fair fight. So he feels bad. You know, he had an equal 
he, it could have been him. Could have been, been him. He took a man's life like with his bare hand. Like he really. Yeah, it was all him. Of it. Yeah, it was all him that killed that man. It was. Oh my god! Every ounce of him killed that man. That's yeah. what it is. He put every every ounce of his into, life into killing, him. taking the life out of another human yeah. being. Wow! And it wasn't just a side kill. It was a main kill. It was a main kill. And again. Like what other shit? I mean, like that's a great moment. It's just a great. It's a great way to play it. Like yeah. it's so interesting. He won't. He won't accept any women or alcohol. Like they, they're like offering. They're like women are lining up. They want to come see you. The doctor's like, trying to check in on him because he might be injured too, and he yeah, won't like, have just it. leave me alone. He needs time to himself. Yeah, to, to fully take in the kill. Oh man, yeah, that's great when he's rubbing the grease on him because he doesn't want. He doesn't want the guy to get a, a grip on him. Yeah, a hold of him. Ah oh, man, he knows that that man is going to be reaching all over his body. He even puts it on his penis. Yeah. Well, the guy bites his ear at one point. It's true. Like uh, Tyson. Yeah, Holyfield Tyson. Really, then real deal, Holyfield. Holyfield, holy shit, holy, holy Toledo, Toledo. Um, holy Peoria, holy Peoria, and one other <clears throat> one other storyline that existed was something that was so. I, I guess it was. I wouldn't call it the. This show is so interesting because this, like, I was gonna about to call it sort of the comedy relief because of what it's based on. Oh, I'm going to pause it because uh, somebody's at the door. Hold okay. on. You can just talk into the mic. Okay, no problem. So while Craig is uh, going off to go let somebody in, I have no idea who it is. Okay, no problem. I have no idea how he can hear anything through that buzzer it sounded like a peanuts character but he knew exactly what it was what it meant uh where we're sitting right now is craig's living room i'm officially alone he's gone he's downstairs uh i really like his living room i'm gonna take a second to say how much i like it because he's not here but he has a nice uh he has a nice poster that says it's okay it's not really a poster it's a dangling a uh, piece of canvas says it's okay. I like that a lot. He has a poster that says uh, it's a Simon and Garfunkel poster where instead of bodies, you see Simon and Garfunkel's face, but then their bodies uh, are is actually just a photo of a bridge, and that's nice. Maybe that's an album cover. There's a dream catcher in the top corner. There's a mirror. Um, I'm just describing your living room. <laughs> I'm back. There is a package. That's the one thing about having a podcast in your apartment is that sometimes real apartment things happen. There you go. It was a book. Um, you got a book? I think it's a book we got. Um, Meryl got. Oh, cool. A design book. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, him greasing himself up. Right. Was that it? <laughs> I feel like there was something. You were talking about something right after greasing himself up. We're like, so he won't grab his penis. <laughs> and then we said, the oh, the biting, the holy field, holy Peoria. And then so you said something right after that. Oh, I was going to say the other storyline, which I oh, was going right. to call comedy relief just because of the situation that was based on the board, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't funny at all by the end. I was going to call it the comedy relief, but because <laughs> there was funny moments within it, I guess. Were there? No, you just telling me what the guy did explain yeah. this story all right so there's a i was totally lost during this so no problem there's a in the in the show there's a, a couple black guys and a very racist guy who all they work in this livery and uh a livery is like a horse stables type of area and 
uh, this guy, uh, the the racist man, I think uh, I think his name's Steve. He got. We're gonna call him Steve. Let's call him Steve. So Steve gets really mad at Bullock one night, uh, and he gets really drunk. And to piss Bullock off, this he, is in a previous episode. It's a previous episode, he jerks off on Bullock's horse, and he gets caught by these two guys, um, Hostetler and uh, the general, and. Um, and they make him – I think they drunken – I don't remember how it happens. I think it's just a drunken thing that they do. They get him to admit that he did this act of bestiality, and they had him write it on a so board. So he basically signed a board that said, I jerked off on a horse. Exactly. And that's why I called it the comedy relief. Yeah. It was, because when you explained that to me, I was like, what? How is this real? Yeah. It was a great question. You're like, how did they get that to happen? And I had no answer for that. I don't know. I think he was just drunk. How would, he get, how would they get him to sign a board saying <laughs> that he this. jerked off on a horse? We caught you man you know what you need to do now you have to sign a board and <laughs> the rules of the west and now we're going to hold this against you so there so now uh that that guy is buying the livery from hosteller steve is and part of the deal is steve's like now you have to give me that board so no one can find out um and so it's them searching for the board and they find the board and then the board is like a chalkboard and the yeah. sign the the signature and the words that say like I jerked off on a horse are wiped off by yeah. now just because it's been worn down or whatever. And Steve uh, doesn't think that that was the board. Steve calls Hofstetler yeah. a liar. Yeah. And Hofstetler gets furiously mad, like he's holding his head. Yeah. It's like a panic attack, I think. He has he has like a meltdown. Yeah. And then he goes into the other room. Yeah. And he blows his brains out. Yeah. It's it was brutal. I mean, it's brutal. Shocking. It's shocking. It sucks that, like, the, that's the the comedy relief is searching for a board about jerking off on a horse. And the and the payoff for that is one of them, one of the people shooting himself in the head and killing himself over it. Yeah. It's just brutal. Oh, God. It was really, really brutal I and affecting. That, yeah. the, the show is. Uh, it's such a good period piece show. Yeah. Great cursing. Oh, yeah. A lot of cursing. Oh, I think I wrote down a couple of the good cursings in it. Let me see here. Captain Cuntface. Captain Cuntface. Was a good one. Um, oh, when they were referring to that they didn't have any uh, any business uh, at this particular bar, they said, we haven't had a cunt hair's bit of business. Oh, yeah. I've heard that a lot on the show, cunt hair. Yeah. Cunt hair is <clears throat> talked about a lot. Also... Best opening shot of an episode of TV I've seen in a while. What was the opening shot? It was a guy, oh, that's right. a character that I didn't recognize because I, I haven't watched up to this point, grabbing a woman's breasts in a bathtub and speaking into them like they're like a microphone, like one of those, like I say, old-timey telescopy things that are exactly. louder. He's talking like he's a, sh- a ship like captain. Like a ship captain. He's like, he's like uh, man on the bridge, man on the bridge. But he's like yelling it into her breasts. It's so weird and funny and disturbing. And then who comes in swearing? No, uh, uh, Tolliver. Tolliver, who owns the other higher Powers class booth. joint, mm-hmm. brothel joint, comes in and he's like, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, 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 I, I, I hadn't had uh, sex in a while. And yesterday it just uh, came up on me that I hadn't had sex. And I now I'm in the middle of uh, wanting to have a lot of sex. Yeah, he's like- in a phase of needing to have a ton of sex and he uses that as an excuse to not do his job yeah the, and and uh, and Tolliver's like 
All right. All right. <laughs> I understand. I'll get someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like calling in sick, like calling in having to have, have sex. I'm in a real uh, I'm in a real sex phase right now. I can't come in today. Oh, no, that's fine. We'll find somebody for you. When do you think you'll be back? Oh, just give me a couple of days. I'm sure it'll pass. All right. I'll put wind. you down for Tuesday. But if you're back on Wednesday, that's fine. Oh, that's mighty prudent of you, sir. I'm back to yelling in a woman's breast. And then he goes right back to yelling in the woman's breast. Like he's not. Oh, and he says he they avoided an iceberg. Oh, yeah. He goes, he iceberg goes. avoided <laughs> when Tolliver leaves. So funny. Yeah. And the woman is just laying there the whole time. She doesn't say one thing. Doesn't say a thing. She's just there laying there and having the, having the man talking to her boobs like a, like a megaphone. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny that he's in a sex phase, but what he's doing has nothing to do with Yeah, it's with not even or- like doesn't even quite feel like role playing it looks like he's just having like a joke that's going like on way too long yeah. and way too weird but they're both just enjoying it yeah which yeah, is just having a fun time talking to boobs like by by him like grabbing them really hard yeah. yelling into them yes he's definitely squeezing the crap out of those man really weird <laughs> very weird it's a very strange fetish, and it, but also he's not like getting off on it either. No. He's just like doing it. It's That's just... the only time we see that character in the show. Wait, in the whole show? In the whole episode? Oh, okay. I was going to say if that was if that was that <laughs> character's only scene, like if they were going to build that character for a couple more seasons, but like he didn't. We're gonna we got some big plans for this guy. Okay, like we're just going to start him off talking into a big boob, and then. <laughs> And then we're going to – you'll see. In season four, season, wait, he's so going to be season, talking into another woman. A bigger boob. A bigger boob. <laughs> Heightening. He's going exactly. to – Yeah. Every season we see him and he's at a bigger boob. Deadwood is about – like order coming out of chaos and it's about boobs getting bigger. Right. And, 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 and getting them. yelled into louder. Exactly. Yelling into boobs until eventually someone hears him. Yeah. Exactly, until somebody inside a being inside the boobs can re, can understand and respond to those yelling, and then Deadwood will be a fully formed society. Exactly, that's the point. I found, uh, the note I wrote. Uh, Craig Craig said that we we uh, could write down notes as we watch the episode as we, if we wanted to. And the, what I wrote for that scene was just boobs boat. I wrote I wrote <laughs> boobs man the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, what else did I write down? Um, oh, I I was just writing down because uh, they had this the theater thing with Brian Cox as a character that you're saying that wasn't sort of as we're saying with the booby guy if you yeah. if that was its own storyline yes uh, that Brian Cox was brought on for a storyline that wasn't ever fully realized exactly they wanted to I mean Milch here that guy really thought of everything because he's like what happens when you're building a society eventually you want to explore how art is brought into um, a society. Or a new civilization. And so that is what these theater people represented. Um, and I know we had this whole storyline um, for them. But as soon as they found out that season three was over, they just became this side thing. And it never like developed. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, too. Because I, well, I had read that they, you know, there were talks that they're going to do like two movies for yeah. the show or something. It never happened. And- yeah. And uh, but it also reminded me the theater thing reminded me of a really interesting storyline in the first season, which was with the priest. Oh yeah, and which I, I think is very different, but for some reason it just reminded me of the character. Um, and that character is really interesting because he basically 
ends up having this terrible disease, like a He's plate. A brain tumor. He has a brain tumor that sort of makes him go spastic and like yeah. lose his mind a little bit. And yep. it's really, they show the whole transformation between him in a really interesting way because at the beginning, he's just sort of babbling about God and all this stuff. And then it gets more and more spun out into this craziness. Yes. He eventually like starts going into the, uh, he goes into Swearingen's whorehouse and he starts like dancing to the piano and, and they're like, look, you're the town preacher. Like, this is the one place you can't be. Like, yeah, swearing just like you have to get the this fuck out of This is the here. only place you can't be. And he keeps coming in. And so, and Swearingen feels really bad about it. And he knows this guy's losing his mind. And he, and he, and he like kills him out of mercy. He's, oh, yeah. I forgot that he kills him out of mercy. Yeah, he, he suffocates him. He like puts a pillow over his head. These are spoilers. But I, I would also say to somebody who hasn't watched the show, and me included for not finishing it, but it's totally get. It. You should get into it. I mean, yeah. The thing about these spoilers is, like, as soon as I say them, I also know. I mean, the show is just so deep that you're honestly not even really going to be thinking about you're it. You're not going to be thinking. It. It, there's so much good stuff in there too. Another thing that Craig and I found out as soon as we started watching this, watching it was I, I that I had forgotten is how you need to pay attention to every single line that is said because the language is so different, and you just. The only way to follow it is to pay attention. So I feel like that's why – maybe that's why you, like, had, couldn't, like, watch it anymore. I think it's that's like, partially what it was. Like, I remember watching it. And you can't casually watch it. You no, know what you I can't. mean? Yeah. And I feel like I was watching it when I had the time to properly give it its due. And then when I – Absolutely. When, when, you know, whatever, I got busy or something, I didn't go – I just haven't gotten back to it. But I yeah. feel like I'll, I'm, I'll find the time now. Yeah, I mean, it, the show, what's really sad is the show ends at season, the way it ends in season three, it's, it, it didn't tie up everything, but you're, you're also, you're all right with the way it ends, but you're like, oh man, these guys really wanted just a little bit more time to really nail it. But. Well, the other thing is like HBO is different than other channels. Like when other shows get canceled, they either get canceled in the middle of the season or, right. or it's, it's lost its glory days or whatever like or you know or whatever or yeah. it's gets just cut fades off. out into obscurity yeah it fades out to obscurity or gets cut off before it even gets good you know or whatever right. but this was really fully realized a critical like people really like this show you know yeah. i guess it just didn't have the i don't think it had any ratings it didn't have the ratings and uh i hate being guilty of that stuff too because i didn't watch the show while it was on i mean i didn't have hbo yeah exactly like that, you're not guilty you're not guilty I mean, you didn't people who had hbo that didn't watch it are guilty they're the guilty ones but you, you sort of wish that a channel like that had the ability to keep a show going just because they like and that happened recently with enlightened on hbo yeah, yeah. Oh, man i I haven't seen that show yet, but I've heard it's incredible. Same thing. I've watched like a season. I've I think I watched two of the seasons. Uh, All I've heard is that that show it was like a tragedy. That, that show. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, that's why HBO is just so they've just got quality, interesting content th- that's different. And Milch's latest show, Luck. That show. Uh, oh, that got ca- that got died that got canceled because season. those horses died. Yeah, I heard it wasn't as I haven't. I, did you ever watch it? I heard it wasn't as good either. But I mean, I remember also that the first season of Deadwood didn't have a whole ton of people. I mean, they were like, "This is good." Like that guy, Al Swearingen's clearly great. But I mean, those shows take a little yeah, while. We, I think. To, yeah, I should give luck. Uh, all we were saying is give themselves. luck a chance. Give luck a chance. I that's think. Uh, I think yeah, that's I a John chance. Lennon song. I did hear it wasn't as good, but I don't know. Those shows sometimes just take a while. He also create co-created uh, NYPD Blue. That's right. And uh, I don't know what he's done recently. 
I don't know, but Milch, it's... Yeah. Should I look him up really quick? Sure. While we're here? Yeah. Sometimes I decide on this podcast, I say to myself, I'm not looking something up. And sometimes I say, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? Get some facts in here. And and for this one, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna look it up. What do you think of the uh, opening theme song of this? Of this Down here. It's, it's interesting. Like, I like the song. Um, I'm not doing it at all. <laughs> well, I didn't do it either. I like I like it. Oh my! You know what he also did? He did John from Cincinnati. Oh, right. which was another failed show. That show also had a bizarre. That show. I watched one episode. Did you watch that show? I saw one episode of that show, and it was so. I mean, I'd have to give it another chance, but. Not good. Like, when I saw it, it just was not... I couldn't get into it at all. I couldn't get into it. Um, I'd be interested to see if it was... If it got better. Because I I only had HBO for a short amount of time at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just really, like... I don't know. Didn't do it. The one thing about Deadwood... I think that was, like, critically shit on as well. I think so, too. I uh, So, I'm also coming from a place with Deadwood where... Because I had the DVDs, I I watched all of the... I watched all additional, the, uh, additional features, and one uh, one fun thing was watching David Milch. Right, he would uh, they had they had just like a screenwriting program up on a computer, and he would just he was just like laying on the floor and surrounded by writers, and he would just start talking like the characters, and somebody was just typing for him, and he would watch the screenplay like fill out and then he'd be like go back go back uh all right fucking you fucking man he would just like try different swearings and different like and he would just be kind of talking out loud weird and they would they would just retype it retype and he'd go okay go to the next line he would work for like five minutes on each line that was about to be said i'd love to hear what that writing experience would be for one of the, for a writer like if that because that sounds like a bizarre experience the way i interpret it is a writer you know they all would work on the storyline right. i think a writer would go and write a, a screenplay right like the, script. the story and then i think they'd put it up on a screen and he would go through and he would essentially like kind of redo every line wow. or like like put his stamp on every line because i know one of the like he was surrounded by the writers of that show and they would i they were like contributing sure of course but it would be weird. Imagine being in a writer's room where the main guy is on the floor, like, just, yeah. like, calling out stuff. It would just be interesting. Man. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the thing was, as you were watching him do it, you're like, oh, well, he's right. Everything yeah, he's saying, oh, oh. you're like... I mean, the show is amazing. You're like, dude. oh, that was right. That was the right thing to say there. Yeah. But it was such a fascinating... the writer A writer's room where you <laughs> you sit in a chair as the main the head writer lays on the ground and stares at a television and just talks is fascinating to me. I I would I want to be the guy on the ground someday. Uh, <laughs> exactly, that's our goal is to be the guy on the ground. Just that like is... he was laying out with just his hands, his hands under his head, you know, as if he's on a lounge chair, just staring, like just kind of staring at the TV and just talking. And it was so weird. It, awesome. He had a nice gut going on. It was it's just it's fun to it was fun to look at. Um, if you had to come up with a drinking game, as I sometimes do on this podcast, sure. for the show itself, when would you tell people that they should drink? That's a good. That's a great question because I. You, it should not be when people say fuck. Okay. Because that would. 
I mean, that's too, just be too often. There's way too many. I would almost say when people say cunt might be one because mm-hmm. that happens a little bit less, but that's still really frequent. It might be a character related thing. Yep. Maybe whenever uh, something that happens with EB, I feel like oh, the with character EB, EB the yeah EB Farnham. He's the a great character. Owner. He's awesome character. I feel like whenever he someone tells him to leave and he gives a pleasantry. Yeah, <laughs> whenever he gives a pleasantry, that's like the, uh, his pleasantries are delightful. Oh yeah, delightful character. Oh man, he's he, like if there's anything I can do to help your uh, to be of service, to uh, be of service, and I help am, you accomplish. I am always on call to help you accomplish your achievements. And he's like the biggest like backstabber, like oh, just yeah. going with the winner type of guy. Absolutely, he just will. Yeah, he'll go with whoever. I think that's why he's so upset right now is because he sold Hearst his hotel. I think he like he was on their side. Right. He was on the Hearst side, and then he's on the. And now Hearst is mean to him, so he's like he feels bad about that. And he wants to go back with Swearingen. Yeah, he he needs to. Uh, he needs to be with the winning team, sort of, or be with the team that support. He needs to be one hand washes the other. Exactly. He needs to get something out of it too. Another thing I might another time I might say to drink is whenever somebody is cleaning something. Hmm. In that show, you'll notice. Scrubbing is a big motif. Yeah, people scrub the, the scrub glasses. their bodies, scrub glasses, scrub uh, wood. A lot of times, uh, it's always a big moment in that show when someone is scrubbing blood out of something. Wow, that's really true. Yeah. Now that even that you say that, I can already think of like four or five times in this episode, and then and then multiple more times uh, within the series. Um, well, I thank you so much uh, for uh, bringing Deadwood back into my life. Oh, no problem. Um, it was very enjoyable to watch. Do you have any either – you can do a couple things. You can either promote something. You can say anything you want to the audience or you can just do nothing right now. Oh, man. I don't know. Or you could do all of them. I mean, you know, the thing about podcasts is you listen to them whenever you want. But I guess I would like to wish everybody a happy holidays. Right. I hope they're all doing well. Right. I hope they're listening to this at a, at a time where they're surrounded by warmth and love. Um, I'd say if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, you could at Big Zach Poitras. Right. Um, I don't tweet a whole bunch, so it's not a requirement. Uh, and I would say, yeah, check out check out the Hand Show. Uh, it's a talk show for hands that I made. And I don't know. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. Do you have anything that you want to say? Um, I'll say, um, yeah, just I hope you enjoyed the show. Yes, I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed it too. I hope you enjoyed it. I liked having you here. Thank this you. This is fun, and um, I just everybody should know what people should do. They should try to use a curse word when they shouldn't. Oh, that's based a great on call. This thing, like yeah. if you curse somewhere that might be a little bit inappropriate, not where you'll get in trouble, but where somebody will be like, "What?" You know what I mean? Sure. Just be in in in. Uh, in respect for respect for the show absolutely say shit dicker or um uh, or cock shitter a cock shitter yeah when you're maybe yell that out at a coffee shop if you're at like a 
place where you should. Or at very least, if you can't do that, because that's a big ask, say yeah. it under your breath. Say it under your breath is a good one. I recently said Jesus Christ really loudly on the train. I just, for no reason, I just was looking at my phone. I went, oh, Jesus Christ. And <laughs> Wait, but nothing happened that you were saying that to? It was not necessary at all. Sometimes I just swear. And I, I just say, I don't know. And I was on the, the train, was going over the bridge, and everyone just gave me a quick little look, went right back to what they are doing. But it was funny. Everyone probably thought something bad happened so if you're on the subway specifically right now or somewhere in public please say uh cock shitter yeah or shit dicker yeah even under your breath just to like just to get in people's heads like is this guy having a rough day or yeah. why do you say that and then if they look at you give them a sort of a glance to be like i'll be okay <laughs> everything's a okay here pal uh thanks so much zach thank you craig um i'll talk to you later all right sounds good uh all right goodbye bye I'd like to thank my guest, Zach Poitras, for uh, dropping by, telling me about his dog poop bags, uh, talking Deadwood. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep watching Deadwood finish the series, which I, for some reason, didn't initially. So I'm going to do that. Uh, if you're a fan, you know this drill. Do the things that I usually say, uh, like liking it or, or reviewing it or, or, or zamming it or bamming it. You know, all those Internet things, tweeting it, gleeting it, reading it. Um, and uh, I'll see you next week. What do you say, gang? Have a great night and an early manana? Yeah. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.